We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome to another episode of the DTF Podcast. Hey, I got a bone to pick. <laughs> Guys, I am so fired up. Sleep deprived and all. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> you probably cut off your hot dog. You don't need it on a bun. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of the DTF Podcast here on the Field of 68 Media Network. We are presented by our partners over at BetMGM. It is Monday morning, 10 10 in the a.m. Eastern Standard Time, the only legitimate time zone on Monday, December 11th. And boys, we have a lot that we need to talk to. It was the first what felt like real Saturday in college basketball. We had uh, top three teams uh, going on the road, going to neutral courts, playing other top 25 competition. Uh, we had rivalry games all over the place. Kansas, Missouri, Cincinnati, Xavier, Gonzaga at Washington. We had Bronny James making his uh, triumphant return to the basketball court, which is something I think we actually need to talk about. And Aaron Bradshaw came back, and Kentucky looks pretty damn good, guys. But before we get into all of that, T.O., on Saturday night, after Clemson won, what do we do? We called an ISO, right? We let you clear out. We let you go to work, and we let you say what you had to say about your 9-0 Tigers. We got to go ISO. We got to go to John Fanta. Joe Flacco just won a football game. In the year of our Lord, Brownies. 2023, Fanta, it's your world. You got three minutes. Let it rock, baby. <laughs> Joe Flacco's 100th career regular season win comes as a Cleveland Brown. Incredible. And with that win, he now, this is sad, he now has the third most wins at Cleveland Brown Stadium since 1999. <laughs> behind behind only Baker Mayfield and Ben Roethlisberger. <laughs> Did that hurt to say? That had to yeah, hurt a little bit to say. It does. It does. But what what is so refreshing to say is that after years of turmoil and years of chaos and paying the starter $230 million and he had a lot of rust, the Cleveland Browns have finally found their quarterback, and all it took was finding a 38-year-old who was on his couch three weeks ago eating Pringles to get to play the quarterback position and do it well. And the Cleveland Browns are 8-5 and five and in the driver's seat in that AFC wildcard. And, fellas, if you're watching football right now, it's a good thing that there's not a, a 
selection committee for that sport like there is for college football. The NFL's had 53 starting quarterbacks this year. 53 different people have started an NFL game. The AFC's wide open. Ask Pat Mahomes how he feels this morning. Okay, the Ravens almost lost to the Rams. So, you know what? I'm dreaming I'm dreaming as a Clevelander. I think that my Browns, with the best defense in football, just found their Nick Foles. Let's go. Let's get crazy. Let's go on a run. <laughs> Why not? Just found their Nick Foles. I'll tell you what. You mentioned Pat Mahomes. How terrible does Kadarius Tony have to feel this morning? Like, yeah, why are dude, they on, why are they on the officials? He was so clearly. Yeah, he was he was a mile <laughs> offside. Like, how are you? How dumb do you have to be? I, I, look, I'm sorry, Kadarius. I don't know you from uh, from a hole in the wild. I've I've never met you. I don't, the only thing I know about you is literally that you lined up offside <laughs> last night. But how dumb do you have to be to line up that offside? It was the most obvious thing I've ever seen in my entire life. What what do they teach you every time you play football as a wide receiver? I played wide receiver and quarterback when I was little. Like oh, you like always check with footage. the official, huh? I'd like to see that footage. Shit, you've seen nothing but a whole bunch of tutties, son. Don't you get me started? A whole bunch of tutties. Uh, anyway, the first thing you do is check with the sideline official to make sure you. I guess you just quit doing that. I guess he said you just he quit checked. Doing that. He said that he checked. That's the worst part. He checked with the official and then. He's he was like that. He so was like the slow outside. kid who needed a, fa- a five-yard head start before the play started. Like that's how yeah. far offsides yeah. he was. It was crazy. The craziest thing about it is that a lot of times when you see like incredible plays that get called back, it's because of the penalty is why like that play was able to happen. Like you see a kick return for a touchdown that wouldn't have happened if a dude didn't get held or get blocked in the back. Right. That what happened on that touchdown? What happened on that play? It didn't matter if he was offside, right? Like that had no impact on the outcome of the play. Right. And, but we lose like one of, that's got to be what, like a, a top 10, 15, 20 play of all time in football. Like if it happens, have you ever seen that before? I've never that, seen anything like that before. That was awesome. It would have been one of those all time great regular season plays. <laughs> and now it's just, it's an all time great regular season. Didn't happen. Just Whoops. an offense. That's that just an offensive offsides. Yes. <laughs> And I and I will tell you this. I uh I had bet quite a bit of money on the Chiefs money line live. I saw that. Mm. So like last night when he was called off sides, I was doing one of those like holding on to the carpet as tight as I could to avoid tilting off the face of the earth. Right. Yeah. Like that was one <laughs> where it's like, uh, yeah, you just cost yourself, you know, your your children's Christmas presents because of an off the dude offensive offside. I didn't even know there could be offensive offsides. I, no more, I, no more tuition. No more tuition. <laughs> no more, no more tuition. Kids got to go uh, to public school. <laughs> public school and junior college. We're ready. Oh man! All right, enough about Kadarius Tony. I, I, he's probably feeling bad enough as it is. It, he doesn't need. It to will be. Fun of him. It, I'm going to call it now, and then we're going to all remember this. Uh, I think. I hope. The last Sunday of the NFL regular season is going to be one of the great days in the history of the league because of the amount of scenarios that are going to be at stake. Mm-hmm. That's a good that, point. The playoff picture in the AFC is is absolutely absurd. Like you go from teams six to like twelve, and there's a whole bunch of teams at seven and six. It, it's it's going to be wilder than a a bubble on Selection Sunday, which could be pretty wild. Yeah, be nuts. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. And the best part about it is teams win their way in. There's no selection committee that's going to leave an undefeated team out uh, like another football. Bingo. Um, Bingo. 
Look, we one of the things I have on the rundown is a number of surprising teams that are still undefeated. Uh, we got to talk about Purdue and Arizona because they play on Saturday in what is probably a matchup between the two best teams in college basketball. Got to talk about Aaron Bradshaw. Got to talk about Bronny. Got some Monday overreactions for you. But first things first, late on Sunday night, uh, a story that started as a rumor turned into um, a complete uh, a viral shit show, shall, shall we say. Um, there was apparently an altercation between Michigan's strength coach and Michigan's head coach or head coach in waiting or however you want to phrase it, Juwan Howard. Um, the reporting, the, the solid facts that we have from Brendan Quinn of The Athletic, uh, basically says there was a confrontation between Jawan Howard and um, strength and conditioning coach John Sanderson at a team practice. Uh, I believe it was Friday. It's currently undergoing a, a university review. Uh, there have been no um, no sources have confirmed that punches were thrown in that altercation. Um, but uh, we're kind of at a point where uh, we are in a wait and see mode there because Jawan Howard is on a zero tolerance policy with the university of Michigan because of an incident that happened with Greg guard and um, Joe Kravenhoft after a Wisconsin game back in February of 2022, when he took a swing at an assistant coach. So Fanta, is there a program, you know, is there a university where we would be better suited to just have a reality TV show than the university of Michigan at this point, because it is nothing but drama nonstop all the time we need like a like a hard knocks in the university of michigan athletic department because it's got to be fucking wild yeah it is insanity and brendan reported this and and i had heard the same from sources overnight but brendan reported it so we'll go with what brendan reports he says multiple sources say claims of the punches being thrown in the aforementioned altercation are inaccurate and and, I, and i've heard the saying that this was not something where it was a fallout melee or a Punches thrown. I think if we had, if that had happened, if that had happened, I think that this would already have been out there. I think you would have already seen Ward Manuel take immediate action because Juwan Howard is on a no tolerance policy after what happened with Joe Kravenhoff and the Wisconsin staff in that game in February of 2022. The fact is, is that it is clear uh, that Michigan's athletic department right now is a three ring circus. Is a full-blown circus. They have had the wildest, most dysfunctional year that a department could possibly have, and yet their their football team is in the college football playoff. Uh, now their basketball team, you can't say the same about. And their basketball program right now feels like a program that has no sense of direction. And part of that is is that Jawan Howard had heart surgery, um, and and. Going through that procedure was going to lead to a little bit of mystery here early in the season until he came back and had the head coaching job again. But what what I think best represents the chaos of this program is the fact that this news all came down after a win. They, they beat Iowa. You, you should not have any sort of issues in the midst of winning a game or after winning a game. Which also tells me that that this wasn't some unbelievable distraction that kept the team from playing. Now, Fran McCaffrey getting absolutely pissed off on the other side sort of helps. So we could talk about his, some of his temper and whatnot uh, in Iowa. But but for me, guys, like, we hit Fran Con one. 
There. It was Francon one. Yeah, I was big fan of that phrase. Big fan. Yeah, right. Um, when he get real quick, when he gets mad, he looks like the uh the uncle um that is in the wheelchair and breaking bad. Have we talked about this when he gets really mad. Yeah. Yes. Yes. He looks like him. Ding 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 ding. Right. It's bad. You do not want to get in Fran's way when you get yeah, and he has to get restrained. Look, uh but his people, top lip stops working. You know, it's only his bottom lip. Yes. <laughs> yes. By the way, the people the people on X and on social media who are now saying that Fran's seat is hot, um, you can get all the way out of here. The players that he's brought into Iowa and developed, okay, the Murrays, Luka Garza, yes, stop. You're not getting that any other time. Um, but here's my thing. The, the last thing I would say about this Michigan chaos, Rob, is that John Sanderson has been at Michigan a very long time. He has done a terrific job at the University of Michigan. He has developed a great reputation. He is very well-liked. And you talk to anybody who who knows him, they'll tell you about the career that he's had and the person that he is as, as your head strength coach. For a guy to be involved in this type of situation, who's been around that long and probably dealt with a lot of personalities, tells us this, tells me this at least. Jawan Howard is the leader of a program, okay? The leader of any program should not be getting into it with anybody in a department, nor alone somebody that's been there for a very long time. And that, to me, at the end of the day, is the thing that sticks out to me the most because these are adults. This isn't a kid getting into some sort of, you know, altercation. Uh, There's... This is these are two adults, your head men's basketball coach, your head strength coach. And now they leave a mark on your program as a result of of some things that got out of control. So it's chaos, it's dysfunction, it's Michigan. Theo, anything to add? No, I've known John for a long time, Sanderson. Uh, He was my strength coach at Clemson. And let me assure you with one thing. If he's that upset, it's for good reason. And I, I don't know that they're going I, – I, I don't know the whole story of everything that's happened. Uh, but I, I do know the kind of person that John Sanderson is. And I'm talking top-tier, top-tier individual. And I, I, I mean that. I, I had lunch with him this summer whenever his son's on the AAU scene. Like, he is a great person who is about the right things. And um, I, I, I don't see a scenario where – his reputation should be uh, unrightfully, you know, changed because he is about the right stuff. He is one of the best in his industry. And uh, I think Juwan might be in over his head. And I'm going to leave it at that. Um, I will say this, the, the, the report from Brendan Quinn, and this confirms um, what I've heard as well, is that Howard's status as Michigan heads bass, uh, Michigan head men's basketball coach is unchanged. Um, I don't think that this is something that will cost Howard his job, uh, especially if it's true that there were no punches that were thrown. Um, I think that if he had thrown a punch, we, he probably already would be gone, right? Uh, and I do think that this is going to be something where it's very difficult to um, get a Michigan man, shall we say, out of that that seat, unless it's something where you really want to get him out, right? If they were looking for an excuse to 
replace him, then this would be the easy way out. And I don't think that they're doing that. That's what they're going to do. So I don't, I would be surprised if this resulted in a coaching change at Michigan. So I'm with you on that, but I would also say this. I think we're a lot closer to the Juwan Howard era being over at Michigan than we are with it continuing. Meaning, I don't think anything in the middle of this season is going to change. But it would not surprise me if at the end of this year, he moves on as a mutual type of thing. Back to the NBA, back on a, a an NBA bench somewhere. Um, yeah, I would not be surprised if that happened either. All right, let's talk about actual college basketball teams that are worth talking about at this point. You guys good with that? So uh, I wanted to start with the – the. there are seven undefeated teams um, left in the sport right now, and some of them are more surprising than others. Uh, Houston's undefeated. Arizona's undefeated. Baylor's undefeated. I don't think anybody's surprised by that. James Madison is still undefeated, um, and they have a win uh, – at Michigan State, so I guess which, that, that is which, which doesn't look all that great right now. Which. But <laughs> they're still they're still nine and zero with a win in the Breslin Center, which I think says a lot. Um, but the three teams that I wanted to talk about here, Oklahoma, what was more, what was more impressive, the win at the Breslin Center, or the win at Kent State? Um, <laughs> probably the win at the Breslin Center because they just dominated them the whole game. Like it was. Uh... I disagree. You disagree. The, oh, fair enough. The win at Kent State, you had to follow it up. Like sometimes it's the game after. The yeah. Game. Fair enough. Um, but then the other three teams that I wanted to talk about with you guys: Oklahoma, Clemson, and Ole Miss, because I think that that they are three teams that we've we've talked a little bit about Clemson, and we got into Oklahoma on after dark on Saturday night. But I feel like those three teams we haven't really spent much time diving into. So. Um, T.O., I think I know what your answer is going to be here, but out of those three, who are you trusting the most? Like, which one of those three teams is is the best of the group? Is like where this undefeated record is real? Two of them are real. Two of them, Ole Miss and Clemson. And Clemson, I feel like I've waxed poetic enough about them enough, but I I hate to say it, guys. I hate to pat my. I, I really like this Mississippi team coming in. Because they still had guys like Alan Flanagan was really good a couple of years ago. He's coming back off a, a torn Achilles, what, three seasons ago? And now he's finally, that second year back after a major injury, That that's kind of when things explode. And he's been awesome. Matthew Morrell has been good. Uh, he's shooting as well as he's ever been. And then you have Chris Beard running things. And Ole Miss has had talent for the past five, six years. They just have struggled putting the whole thing together. Uh I, I thought Ole Miss could be really good because the way Chris Beard coaches, the style in which they employ, they're big across the board, and uh, Musa Cisse's there. And then I'll, I'll be honest, guys, like the the evolution of the NBA with the super big guy, the super big athletic guy, Jamarion Sharp's going to find a way. Like that dude runs like a deer. He's 7'5". He moves. He doesn't have bad touch. Like they are a nightmare to try to score against. Now – Defensively, it, it, Kim Palm hasn't caught up, in my opinion, and they haven't played anybody all that great. They beat Memphis; that was a good win, but like Kim Palm hasn't caught up with what they're doing yet. They're ranked 103rd in defense through nine games. I I can't find a scenario where a coach walks into uh, Oxford, Mississippi, and's like, "I'm going to be able to score today," because look at all that length, look at all the bigs inside. They have two elite shot blockers with Cisse and the big fella 
uh, Jamarian Sharp. I don't know why that name keeps slipping out of my head, but with Sharp and Cissé down there, that is a nightmare waiting to happen. That team will defend, and they've got enough individual playmaking to where I think they can win some close games at the end of the clock. Clemson's really good. I think they're well, going to continue they have to be really good. So here, here's what they've done. They beat Detroit Mercy by one. They beat Sam Houston State by three. They beat Temple by one. They beat Memphis by three. They beat UCF by two. They have a nine-point win over Mount St. Mary's. They have an 11-point win over Eastern Washington, a 10-point win over Alabama State. They're only like blowout was a 20-point win against NC State. over NC State. So they've won five games that were single-possession games. Yep. I, I think they're going to be fine. I think the fact that they're winning close games says a lot because you have some of these talented guys that can score at the end of the clock and at the end of the game. Like, you have to have all that. Plus, they can crash the offensive glass with all that size. Clemson's really good. They have a lot of weapons. They've been really good despite Chase Hunter not finding his footing. Once he finds his footing, it's like, my goodness, there's five guys on the floor that can hit a shot at all at once. And Clemson's going to continue to be good. They're going to continue to guard. But them and Ole Miss. I worry about Oklahoma a little bit because of the longevity of some of their guards. That's the thing that scares me. Yeah, you hate JV on McCollum. I don't the, hate him. Are, I just think that he, small guards have a hard time in the Big 12. <laughs> and when I say small, like Marquise Noel, that's the first person that everybody's going to throw out. He's like this stocky short guy. Like JV on McCollum's frail thin. Yeah. I wonder if that's going to be Noel and McCollum. Were, I hope it does, but I wonder but, if it's going to be. But they don't. Maintain. They were listed as the same weight, T.O., and McCollum has like eight inches on Marquise Noel. That's what I'm saying. He's a string bean. Yeah, go ahead, okay. Fanta. Well, but but in my mind, if if you're picking between these teams today, I, I respect the heck out of your opinion, but Ole Miss narrowly beating Detroit Mercy and Sam Houston State, whereas Oklahoma has averaged 84 points per game and only is allowing 63 per game and has beaten Providence, Arkansas, USC and Iowa. Yep. I am not going to disrespect the Sooners. Don't disrespect the Sooners. Don't disrespect, Don't disrespect the Sooners. Him. You know why? Porter Moser has a group that really fits him. He has a combination of transfers and sophomores. Sophomores that have taken a great leap and the transfers who have fit right in. They have length. They're going to defend you. And Otego Away has become one of my favorite players in this sport. Because he's a dog. You're right. He hey, imposes his will physically. You know what, do you know what he's shooting from three this year? You know what he's shooting from three? He's shooting mm. 82% from three. He's only taking 11 attempts, but he's shooting 82% from three. That is like, that's T.O. on the Papa shot numbers right there. And they're averaging eight three-pointers per game, but they're only giving up five made threes a game. So their perimeter defense has been very, very good. They're dictating games on the perimeter. They are rebounding the basketball quite well. I mean, their their rebounding margin is close to plus 10. And, guys, they do have dogs. I mean, Otego away, he's got a 215-pound frame. He's from Newark, New Jersey. Guys, if you're from Newark, New Jersey, you are tough. He is oh. a tough, tough kid. John Hughley, tough, tough kid. Like, T.O., we talked about this last week, I think. Hughley did a lot of good at Pittsburgh. Yeah, he was he was good. Yep. He's a good player. Mm-hmm. And McCullum was a steal. And and you know, you could you could talk about how you're concerned about how he's going to hold up in the Big 12. And I get those concerns, but like you take a look at this team, and I don't even think Milo Suzan's even fully broken out yet. Like he's their fourth leading scorer. They thought he could be their leading scorer, second leading scorer. The point they've got balance, they're not one-dimensional. They do it on both ends of the floor. 
and they're 19th in Kempom right now. So I'm I'm taking Oklahoma here. I'm going to raise the Sooners flag. Look, you know my feelings about Clemson. Mm. And they're eighth in my top 25, and some people think that's too high, but please help me here. Is it Ian Shefflin? Ian Shefflin, yep. Shefflin was a man against TCU. If hold on, hold TCU, on, hold on, hold on, Fanta. What did you call him, T.O.? You tweeted something out about him, about Shefflin. Do you, do you remember what it was? Baby Barkley in a Clemson jersey. <laughs> yeah. I said that on the show, and, and Goodman yeah. interrupted me. Yeah, Baby Barkley in a Clemson jersey. Yeah, it's He's so good. They are really good. Clemson is the best team in the ACC. I, I actually agree with that take, fan. I think that they are the best team in the ACC. I know it's early, but it's never too early to fire off a hot take. And this is where I have to mention Vaulted. Vaulted is an app that allows you to participate in daily cash prize pools without an entry fee. That is V-L-T-E-D, Vaulted. The thing you're going to like about it, it's got a challenge feature so you can prove that you are smarter than your friends. Download the app. Store your predictions and join daily cash prize pools today. Here is my challenge, Mac. Here is my prediction. Clemson's going to win the ACC this year. Clemson's the best team in the ACC, and they are going to take home an ACC regular season title when things are all said and done. Is that crazy? No, that's not crazy at all. Not, not one bit. In fact, I don't want to say they're the favorite, but I think if you were a betting man – based on who they've played and how they've played. Uh, I don't think it's crazy. When those students get back from Christmas break and the ACC starts really getting rolling, it's going to be hard to win at Clemson. And those guys are built to, to win on the road. I love Brad's teams in terms of their toughness in the half court defensively. Um, I don't think it's crazy at all. I think Clemson's a quality team. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Um, I'm going to... Um, I'm going to do exactly what Fanda did where I say, T.O., I, I respect the hell out of your opinion, but you're fucking wrong. I, I love I love <laughs> I Oklahoma. I, I love this Oklahoma group. We're uh, just falling off the Chris Beard bandwagon. Like no, no. Never, like I, I look, I'm, coach. is that I'm, what we're I'm, doing? No, we're just I'm ignoring the fact that because he's in Oxford, he's in a small media market. So we have to ignore him. He doesn't have anybody not. from Newark. 
Like, what are we doing? Absolutely not. Like, look, I think Chris Beard's going to do very good things at Ole Miss. I think that Ole Miss is a tournament team. I think that they are going to make a lot of noise in the SEC. Uh, But I think that they're probably going to end up like as a 507 or 8 seed kind of a thing, right? Um, I do think that that Oklahoma, they might be a top 14 in the Big 12. Like, I don't think that that's crazy. We know who the top three is, right? It's Kansas, Houston, Baylor. I think there's a real chance that Oklahoma is the next best team out of that group in the Big 12. Um, I love I love their guards. I hear what you're saying about JV and McCollum. Um, I do think that having a guy that can be a creator in Milo's Uzon helps take alleviate some of the pressure on him. They got a billion big wings that are super athletic, and they got a combination of Sam Godwin, who's like an athletic rim running. Dude, a I bit can't more believe versatile. he's a good player for them. I'm going to be honest. Yeah, I saw that kid good. play at Wofford, and I was like, he's transferring to Oklahoma? They yeah. must be running out of scholarship guys. Well, I, I'm pretty sure and he was, was a walk-on. Like, he, he transferred in as a walk-on because he's from Oklahoma, and now he's on scholarship. Yeah. But the combination of him and John Hughley, I think, is uh, – that's another one. Like, John Hughley's bought in. Like, he he's not he's, – he's not the guy that he was at Pitt. He's bought in. What do you got over there, T.O.? Are we going to get a good – Oh, he's on mute. Um, all right. So, Fanta, I'm with you. I'm all the way in on Oklahoma. I think that they are probably the fourth best team in the Big 12. Um, I love the length. I love the athleticism. I love Porter Moser. Uh, and I think, is it crazy to say that all three of these teams are second weekend teams in the NCAA tournament? That, I'm not ready to say that yet about Ole Miss. I, 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 I think that they're a good team. I think that they make the NCAA tournament. I think they can win a game. But I, I need to see them in the tough physical SEC. I think they're going to be great at home, you know. I and I think that we always thought that that Beard would take over there. He would reinvigorate that fan base, get Oxford going, and and that's what's going to happen. But Oklahoma and Clemson, you're not going to get objections from me. I mean, to me, what makes Clemson so good is they're balanced. PJ Hall is. He's the best player in the league. Today. Well, they're both kind of built similar, right? Like they got two guards that can create. One is more of a scorer. One is more of a facilitator. They got a bunch of athletic guys at the three and four spot. They can give you different looks. And they got production out of the five spot. Now, uh, I think Clemson's five spot is a little bit better than than Oklahoma's. I think it Oklahoma is. has uh, a little bit more on the wings. Um, they both have really good guards. But like that's kind of the formula, right? Two creators, switch one through four. I got a five man that if you need to can stretch the floor. Yeah, and, and for me, Joe Girard has given them credibility because mm-hmm. he, he's fitting there. They, they've made him fit defensively, better defender than than maybe he was getting credit for because he was in a weak defensive system at Syracuse. Uh, who, By the way, I, I still think that there's something there with Syracuse. Okay, I, yeah, we'll see. I still think they gave up 84 points to Virginia. They got to, they, they have some things they need to figure out. I know, but, but with Clemson chase Hunter, like they don't, I I texted this to Terrence over the weekend. Paul is the best player in the ACC today and maybe all here, but they don't need any one piece to their puzzle to be great, to be great, to be great teams. That's the sign that you've got. The formula to make a sweet 16. Yep. Yep. I agree. And then too, like that the guy who really showed up against South Carolina was a guy that I picked that could be a breakout candidate. And that was Chauncey Wiggins, who's 
he's listed at 6'10". He's every bit of it. And, like, just having a guy who can knock down shots from the outside, like, that's a – at that size, at 6'10", to be able to knock him down at that size. I mean, he's shooting 35% this year. Last year he was at 40. Now, he's not a high-volume high guy, but he doesn't have to be. Like, they can throw a lot of interesting coverages at you with three dudes that are really big and can guard. All right. The the next thing I want to get into here is Purdue and Arizona. So Arizona beat Wisconsin by 25 points at home. I think that that says a lot about the McHale Center and that says a lot about Arizona. I'm not too concerned about Wisconsin at this point. Purdue went out and beat Alabama on a night where Mark Sears went for 35. Alabama hit 19 threes. And uh, it just it was when you have a guy going off like that and you have a team that wants to shoot a ton of threes, making all of those threes that they are taking um, to be able to beat them, I think it's something that is pretty impressive. Oh. So um, I, I want to spin this forward, though, because we have Purdue and we have Arizona and we have them playing and it's going to be in Indianapolis and it's next Saturday and it's going to be on Peacock. So uh, NBC is going to make a whole bunch of money off of the signups that they get for people that want to watch that game because, Fana, I think that that is the... In terms of how good these teams are, how entertaining they are to watch, uh, this is as good of a, a non-conference early season, pre-New uh, Year college basketball game that we're going to get like all year long. And it comes on a day, on a Saturday, that is just absolutely loaded. We got Kentucky, North Carolina that day as well. And no one's going to be talking about that because it's going to be Purdue-Arizona-centric. So what do you make of this matchup? Who do you think is better? And how important is it for both of those teams to win that game next Saturday? I still think people will talk about Kentucky, Carolina, yeah, depending man. on the depending on the result, depending on the result. But what do I make of Arizona and Purdue? Now, you you don't you, you're living under a rock if you don't know this. I can be college basketball's hype man from time to time, so I'm going to step up and and be that here. This is a dream showdown. We are watching generational greatness right now with Zach Eady. He's putting up 30-plus points per game and against elite competition, and we're expecting that when he walks into the gym. You can both recognize that that's insane to just expect that and also understand that this is incredible. Understand that what he's doing, folks, is incredible. Alabama scored 33 more points off three-pointers in Saturday's game, and Purdue still won. Yeah. They made more threes than Purdue attempted, and Purdue shot 18 threes. <laughs> that's insane. And yeah. that's because Purdue has this formula where Braden Smith has evolved. He's handling pressure better. He is dishing the basketball in key spots better. He's made for the moment more. That when the game gets late, twice against Alabama, Alabama got within a possession. In the final three minutes. And Braden Smith was a killer. He hit a gutsy runner in the lane. He hit a cold-blooded three. They're now getting the complimentary play. Lance Jones was a good at. Okay? Miles Colvin provides some sparks. But between Smith and Lawyer and a cast that understands who needs to get the basketball in the key situations, Purdue is one of the very best teams in the country. And your argument for why they're second, I'm not going to argue you. On that, the people who are dwelling on what happened last March and are not appreciating the greatness, I pray for you because you need to watch this team play. They are special. As for Arizona, Arizona is showing all of us right now why they deserve to be the number one team in the country. 
because they have winners. Keyshot Johnson was a portal crush. He was a great portal ad by Tommy Lloyd. Tommy Lloyd, you think he's a winner? He's been the coach at Arizona America for 80 games. He's won 69 of those 80 games. Ooh, a nice record. Absolutely impeccable. And Caleb Love is now at a place where he's fully comfortable, but also wants to prove a lot of people wrong. So you get a motivated guard. You get a guy in Kylan Boswell who only keeps getting better. Pele Larson is sort of lost in the shuffle, but he shouldn't be because he's a guy that just, he's a glue man on this team. He makes things come together. And Umar Ballo kind of got off to a slow start to the season, fellas. But I thought on Saturday really imposed his will. And now he's figuring out, like, Azulis Tabellas is no longer here. I'm that guy at the five. And I'm not coming on these games. I just got to go. They've got balance. They've got an elite coach. And Saturday, I actually love that this game is in Indianapolis. Gamebridge Fieldhouse used to host the Crossroads Classic when Indiana, Purdue, Notre Dame, Butler all came together on this Saturday. And that place can get rocking. I think it's going to be obviously a Purdue-heavy crowd on Saturday. This is a golden chance for Purdue to shut a lot of those people up that continue to somehow doubt them, which makes zero sense. And for Arizona, Arizona, I'm going to call my shot right now. I believe that this team will be Purdue, Florida Atlantic, and Alabama, and it's going to keep on rolling. I think this train has only just begun. I think they are the clear number one in college basketball, and they're going to continue to show it. Gonna be a hell of a game. Gonna be a hell of a game. How about how about both teams ranked so high nationally and rebounding? You want to talk about a war on the boards? Mm-hmm. My God, it's gonna be physical. And here's the thing: I, I think you know, you talk about pace. Arizona is one of the fastest teams in the country, and they're scoring offense. Their possession length's like less than 15 seconds. That's <laughs> hilarious. And then they're gonna have to play against a team in Purdue that's substantially slower. And I understand, you know, averages can bring it down it brings it down to 17.4 seconds but that's not what Purdue likes to do that's that's an occasional fast break layup that kind of tinkers with the odds a little bit but all that being said like this is going to be a great game there's going to be more individual talent on Arizona as a whole but they have the great big the great big five man and Zach Eady which is going to be I, I think Balo is going to present the most difficult challenge to him physically of what he's going to see all year. Would you guys agree with that? Um, probably. There are a lot of big bodies in the Big Ten, but I think Balo's probably the best. Balo's seven foot, probably two eighty. He's listed at two sixty. He he's not a small two eighty. Like he is a wide bodied seven foot, seven foot one. That dude is massive, and it might be one of the only schools in the country that could that could attempt to guard Zach Eady one-on-one. Yeah. Um, I think the big thing for me is, uh, look, Eady's going to get his, right? And he's going to put Ballo in foul trouble, and that's just going to be what happens because that's what happens every single game. My big thing is going to be how Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer and Lance Jones handles that defensive perimeter pressure that you're going to get from a Kylan Boswell and a Caleb Love and a Jaden Bradley and a K.J. Lewis. Like, those dudes are tough. They are physical. They are strong. They are um, they are a menace on the perimeter defensively. And and the one thing that we've seen from Purdue's guards is like that's how that's how you can beat them, right? Is you can make it so that those entry passes into Zach Eady are difficult. You can make it so that they can't turn a corner off of a ball screen. So 
Um, that's, that's the best. Be- that's the best way to like guard the posts. Yeah, is like make it impossible to get it in there. Yeah, make like that, that, that's the thing. People are like, "Well, how do you guard Zach Eady?" Well, you don't. It's not necessarily just guarding Zach Eady. It's making sure that Zach Eady catches it at twelve feet as opposed to eight. Yep. Like you, he catches it at eight feet. You can forget it. But yep. if the, if Arizona's guards are able to push them out and make those entry passes past the NBA line, that makes if you make that offense function further away from the rim, that's a huge deal. And and, and Painter's great about putting them in spots to where they catch it close. Arizona has those guys around the perimeter, Keisha Johnson, some of those guys. Like Caleb Love's not a small dude, and he's bought in. He's bought yeah, in. He's only that's what I'm saying. Like Kylan Boswell is built like a like built a, like a, a freaking running back. Yeah. Oh yes, he is. And he can play. He can play free safety. Like yeah. he, they're they're built like that. Yes. Go ahead, Fan. Tempo very important to this game as well. I mean, I, I look at these two teams, and Purdue is 144 in adjusted tempo. Arizona is fourth, mm-hmm. fourth in the country. So you're talking about maybe the two best teams in the sport, and there's a 140 spot difference in their tempos. That tells me Purdue's got to get this game to their liking. You're right; they got to feed Edie early, get Ballo in some foul trouble, and then off that have the guards be ready to get pressured by Boswell and by Love. They they this is a really important game for Purdue's guards to be able to dictate if Purdue's going to win this game. Because if you let this be a free-for-all, here's here's the one thing. Alabama's good prep for Purdue to now face Arizona because Alabama, go, 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 go. Alabama knew the only way we're going to win this game is by outscoring this team. They tried, and they came up just short. But Arizona's going to provide more defensive resistance to Purdue than Alabama can do right now. Alabama's just not a – they're not a good defensive team in the here and now. No, they so can't guard. That's the, they can't that's guard. The big thing, yeah, that's the big thing with Arizona is Arizona can can get after you on the perimeter. I think we're going to learn – I feel great. Fanny, you, you mentioned this about Braden Smith. I think he's been fantastic this year. Perfect. I think we're going to learn a lot about him and what he is in this game against Arizona. And I would say this. Let's not overreact. You know, we're, we're, our job is to react. No, fuck that. We're overreacting. That's what we do. Uh, dude, it's overreaction Monday. What are we talking about? Yeah, you got to overreact. Let's this is why overreact. John Fanta gets paid the big bucks to overreact. Yes. Yeah, you're supposed to fire us up. You're the hype man. I am the hype man. You're the self-proclaimed college basketball hype man, and we can't overreact? What are we well, doing here, Fanta? That's true. Not this That's- world. This is a make-believe world. I look like I'm in Miami right now. <laughs> That's I feel, true. I feel our- all weird. I'm confused about my, my I- own reality. And he didn't, didn't wear sunscreen out there. He didn't <laughs> wear sunscreen out in Miami either. Hey, you know what? I'll overreact to Carolina, Kentucky. I'm okay. not, you know, yeah. Well, well, that's what we get paid to do. No, I mean, we'll react. We'll, but if Peru loses, you all know what's going to happen. Uh, mm-hmm. if, if, if they can't. They can never win this game. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's gotcha. what we all Thank said you. about the Marquette game, and, uh-huh. and look how that kind of worked out. I, I mean, if you look at what Purdue's actually done this season, I know that they lost to Northwestern, but they beat, and I'm going to give you Ken Palm ranks here, number five, Marquette, number nine, Tennessee, number 12, Gonzaga, number 13, Alabama, number 45, Xavier, and number 58, Iowa. And all of those wins were um, – 
were were they look it wasn't like fluky there wasn't mistakes there wasn't some team gotten fouled like that was purdue went out and won those games and their only loss came on the road to number 41 northwestern when northwestern's point guard had an all-time performance all right Fanna, you mentioned kentucky and i want to dive in there because there were two guys that kind of came back this weekend i know aaron bradshaw's first game was during the week but he had 70 points 11 boards three blocks um in a win over penn for kentucky we're going to talk about brian here in a second but to Bradshaw, with him in the fold, how does this change? Does it change what Kentucky can be? Does it change the way that you view this team, big picture? Yeah, I think so, just because he he provides some rim protection. I, I think Trey Mitchell's a very good player, but he's not like the most athletically inclined to get up there and block one that's at the top of the square. Uh, Aaron Bradshaw provides that. And he's got some pretty he's good huge, skill, too. Man. Look, huh? He's he, I did not realize... I forgot how big he was until you you see him out there and it's like holy shit that like one that dude's got the longest legs probably on the planet and two like he's he's all arms and legs yeah he's making these he's got like this short little torso and he's got seven foot one worth of legs and arms like it's crazy (laughs) and and here's the thing too is like when we go and watch people at the Peach Jam like every kid in that building is so big that you don't like. Sometimes you have a hard time differentiating who's six ten and who's like seven foot seven foot one. He's a He's a big dude, and he provides a different lob threat, some vertical spacing that Trey Mitchell doesn't provide. And it, I, I'm going to be honest, it, it looks like he can shoot it. It looks like he can shoot it. Is Cal going to let him shoot it a lot? I hope so. Depends on his consistency in practice. That all being said, he looks like he can shoot it. Uh, I, I think he provides something different if nothing else. I love what Kentucky's done offensively this year, going five out and letting Trey Mitchell kind of figure it out, kind of trying to do the little bit of the same thing that Marquette does with Oso Iguodaro. Like, they extended a little bit further out. They're not as good at it, but they have probably uh, some of the most talented freshmen, or not probably, they do have the most talented freshmen in the country as a collective unit. And they have, uh, with Bradshaw, they gives them something else, and they're still waiting on one more. Like, that's the crazy part about this. Uh, I I hope that they continue to go five out. I hope that they don't play them together uh, because I I think the quickness and the ability to get into the lane at will uh, has really made Kentucky look good at times this season. Yeah, the big thing, Fanta, is going to be if if Justin Edwards can kind of come good and look like the guy that's going to be a lottery pick, it'll be get a lot easier for Cal to say, okay, we can put you in at the four and we don't have to play Trey Mitchell and Aaron Bradshaw together. Right. And more than anything, the reason why Kentucky has lived up to the hype for the most part to this point is because they're knocking down perimeter shots and they're getting that perimeter shot making from Robert Dillingham and Reed Shepard. Those guys are able to get a little bit hot and when they hit a three, it feels like four or five. Right. Mm-hmm. So for me, Dillingham, he had three threes against Penn. Shepard comes in off the bench. He only hit one. But Reed is you can't just call him a shooter right now. He's he's jumped into first round draft boards because he affects winning. He impacts winning. So the fact that you can bring him in off the bench, you can bring Dillingham in off the bench. Like I like the dynamic of their team right now. And Bradshaw, none of none of what he did over the weekend against Penn was necessarily surprising. It's just how quickly it's happened. But right. John, Cal- John Calipari didn't back away from it over the summer. Like, he he didn't bring up Shepard as much, but he told us all Bradshaw could be the best of the bunch. Yeah. So the fact that they were doing what they were doing now, now Big Blue Nation's going to be mad at me. I know they're going to be mad at me, and I get it. 
I don't think your win over Miami was as good as we thought it was. I agree with that, too. No. Okay, so Miami. We, we discounted how good Jordan Miller and Isaiah Wong were. Yeah. You can't just plug and play like guys like that. But exactly, from a Final yeah. Four team. So, but uh, also we we shouldn't totally discount. We shouldn't count out the Colorado Buffaloes uh, because that's a really good team. And they, they could be special. Pac-12 is sneaky. Pac-12, it's interesting. In their last year of existence, their football and basketball, they're trying to go out with a bang. You could just yeah, you could they are. They're doing how, how wild would that be if the Pac-12, the last year that the Pac-12 exists, Arizona wins the college basketball national championship and Washington wins the college football national championship? That'd be the best crazy? thing ever. It's the conference of champions. Yes. Let's go out on top. I'm kind of rooting for that right now. League had a good weekend. I mean, Utah and Colorado, uh, and there were sense. others. I mean, there were Utah others that, that, yeah, that came up big. But but I think more than anything with Kentucky, they're a top 15 team, and they're only going to probably get better. Now it's on the coach to get this formula two times what it is today. Like, mm -hmm. I want to see their in-season growth. You think these kids are only going to keep on coming in their own. So your your take in the preseason about national title contenders is now it's it's in realm. It's within the realm of reason. Now it's about being consistent. Well, yeah, here's here's what Cal's job is now. It's figuring out how to iron out the like the floor, right? How to get rid of being the team that blew a 14-point lead in the second half to Kansas, where you're the team that was up by 14 over Kansas on a neutral court. Um, getting rid of the performances, especially defensively, like against UNC Wilmington, where you give them 80 points in your own building to a mid-major program, right? Um, and finding ways to be the team that, look, I know that they, Miami is not the Miami that we thought they were a week and a half ago, but you still blitzed them in the second half, right? You still put up yep. 95 on them. You know, finding those performances and being able to get the floor so it's a little bit closer to what you are when you are your absolute best. Because when they're their best, I think that they can outplay anybody in college basketball for 20 minutes. I don't think that's a hot take. I don't know if they can put together 40 minutes, and I don't know if they can put together a six-game run where you don't have an awful, like, 20 minutes, 25 minutes, 30 minutes. So it's about finding that level of consistency. As you guys know by now, we've partnered with BetMGM Sportsbook for this college basketball season. We're going to be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks and predictions throughout the college basketball season. And we are going to have special offers for you, the listeners and the viewers on the field of 68 each and every week during the season. If you haven't signed up with BetMGM yet, use the bonus code FIELD. 1500 and you will get up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager on BetMGM Sportsbook. Here's what you got to do. Download the BetMGM app. Sign up using the bonus code FIELD1500. Deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. You will receive up to $1,500 in bonus bets if that bet loses. Just make sure you use the bonus code FIELD1500 when you sign up. And remember, BetMGM is now available under one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient for me when I have to go cover games in New York or Philly. When cross the state borders, just log into your existing account instead of having to create new accounts in each state that you go to. And most importantly, I got to let you know, we do have some fun stuff coming up for this college basketball season. Bet insurance tokens, college hoops odds boosts, my personal favorite, parlay odds boosts. So download the BetMGM app today.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Fan up. Bronny's back. What did you make of his first performance? Uh, 17 minutes, four points, three boards, two assists, two steals, one block. He hit a three. USC lost. What do you make of uh, our first sight of Bronny James in a college basketball uniform? So I said this yesterday before the game. The story alone yesterday was the fact that a player, let's remove the, the label for just a moment, but a player who suffered a major cardiac incident five months ago was stepping on the hardwood to play a basketball game. That that alone is an accomplishment. It should be celebrated. It was great that he got to play. Now you factor in the fact that that's LeBron James's son, it on an NFL Sunday, it was generating significant amount of publicity for college basketball. That's never a bad thing. It's a, it's a good thing for the sport. But how we evaluate him is something that that I think is very important. Bronny James was not going to be this absolute bucket getting score on this USC team who was going to be a twenty point per game, even a sixteen point per game guy. If he turns into that as the season goes on. I'd be shocked. He, that's not what he is. He is going to make some winning plays. He's not going to be a liability on the floor because he he's the son of one of the greatest athletes in sport history, son of one of the smartest players in the history of basketball, uh, by the way, in-season tournament MVP. And Bronny – Jordan never did it. Jordan yeah. never did it. Right. Bronny, to me, you know, that, that chase down block, the understanding of, of the system. You know, you're in your first college game – there's a lot typically for a freshman to grasp. Sometimes sometimes a freshman could look totally deer in headlights. They still do. Some guys that are in game eight or nine still do. He did. The majority of them still do. The yeah. majority of freshmen look like freshmen. And that's what Bronny has going for him. Is he going to light yeah. the world on fire offensively? No. But does he have a feel for the game? Yes. yes. But am I going to, I'm not going to overreact. I mean, I, I'll be candidly honest with you guys. Okay. I have an immense amount of respect for the people, some of the national people who were covering the game yesterday. But to be talking to us every two and a half minutes about what Bronny was doing, it was a lot. It was a lot for for a guy who who made one field goal attempt and made three, but made only converted on one shot and did a couple. Who's on the game? It was on Pac-12 Network. It wasn't about the people calling the game. It was more it was more about like some of the tweets in game of him sitting down on the bench. Like, okay, uh, we get it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But let's. But that that was all that was always going to happen with him. Like the biggest thing with Bronny is the fact that his name is LeBron James Jr. The fact that he his dad is who his dad is, and 
it's kind of like the it's a little bit on par with um with Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift and you just know that whenever you watch these games there's going to be a certain level of coverage that devolves to just that because it's what um it's what social media in general it's what casual fans it's what people that aren't here because they love college basketball point blank period are going to want to be paying attention to so like that that's just we knew that was going to happen whenever he first set on the court and the fact that he went through this health scare and he came all the way back like it just that was inevitable and i think the fact that it was on an nfl sunday when we had literally at the same time travis kelsey and those chiefs uh were losing when like when all of this was happening i think it helped limit to a point the level of attention that it got and then now i think it's also beneficial we're here on a monday morning and all anyone was going to talk about is that play where the offside was called and the eagles losing to the cowboys and all of the stuff that happened on nfl sunday so you don't have like the talking heads and the first takeification of the conversation surrounding Bronny because he's going to need time to yo like he he's he he needs he needs time to get back into shape he needs time to figure out how to play i, I thought he that. actually did what what us three expected him to do exactly yeah like like that here's the thing he's never been this big alpha dog score and oh. but he is a very good player and i thought the game yesterday reflected that four points three boards two assists two steals a block that's kind of what we expect and maybe his 17 minutes jump up to around 24 25 and it ends up being an eight six four and four like that's possible. That's kind of what he brings to the table. And he he would be an all-pack 12 guy if he hung around. Or I guess he would be an oh, all-big 10 insane. guy if he hung around. The problem is he's not going to hang around. He's, he, he could be a very, very, very good college player. Uh, yeah. An all-league college player at the high major level. He, we're just not going to see it. And But the thing is, there's growing pains with these things. And I, I'll be honest, I, I thought for, for somebody who hasn't played and who's coming back from a a, a scary situation like I, I would be thrilled with four three two and two yeah <laughs> like, he played well in 17 it's... minutes he's playing alongside two guards that are going to take the bulk of the shots like isaiah collier and boogie ellis combined for 29 shots nine and 29 from the field like you're there, how many basketballs you got boys how many basketballs you got like he he he's going to be a star in his role and he's going to do the other things they we're, did we're, lose but we knew that huh the usc lost they yeah. did at home to Long Beach State. Who also yep. went in and beat Michigan on the road. Marcus Sashonis, 28 points. He yep. had 35 at Michigan. Maybe he's a stud. Maybe Long Beach State is the new uh the new FAU guys. Well, Maybe. they did something, they did something Louisville couldn't do, and that's win at the ball. <laughs> you are not wrong. We're not talking about Louisville the Paul. We're not doing it. We're not going there. Um, all right, I got some overreactions for you guys. I'm going to fire them at you. I got four of them. You each get about one minute to respond to these and tell me if you think I'm crazy, okay? Overreaction number one. Illinois is the second best team in the Big Ten still. Illinois, despite going on the road and losing to Tennessee, is still better built for a long run in the NCAA tournament than Tennessee is. T.O., I'll go to you first on that one. Overreaction, underreaction. Oh, oh, okay, okay. Can, can, can you go go through that again? I felt like there were some scenarios there. Go 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 again. Illinois what's, is the second best team in the Big Ten, and they are better built for a run in March than Tennessee is. The, the, no, 
<laughs> I don't think so. I, I think Tennessee is going to be able to make the second weekend just by beating everybody up and beating up on some of these teams that they get matched up against. Like Tennessee's so physical. I think Dalton Connect changes things a little bit for them. And Tennessee knows exactly what they are all the time. And even though there's going to be times where they're going to stink offensively, they're going to go on magical six-minute runs where they can't even find a shot, they're still going to be able to stay in games and keep it close. And I think they have a closer this year with the ball in his hands in Dalton Connect. Uh, not saying Illinois doesn't have that, but it, it, it has more fit, more to do with my faith in Tennessee than anything else. Banta? So, Illinois being two in the Big Ten, not an overreaction, proper reaction. I mean, they went into Knoxville, and Marcus Domas shot two for 11, and they were in the game. They were in the game at Tennessee. And Coleman Hawkins has got a shot economized better if he's not going to make threes. I mean, he... He's shooting. He shot 10 threes on Saturday. He made three of them. I thought he actually played better, but that's because his three-point percentage has been awful. So they've, they've got to figure their way through that. And and the point guard play, this is why. Tennessee, your you're, Illinois-Tennessee, that on Illinois being better for March, that's an overreaction. I, Tennessee, this might be my favorite Rick Barnes team, and they've lost three games. And I don't care because they've played one of the toughest schedules in the country. And they're more fit to win big games because they can score the ball. I thought Rick did a great job in the second half of Saturday's game because Illinois was was starting to control the way the game was being played. And, and Rick Barnes said, you know what, enough. I'm setting Dalton Connect up off screens, off the ball, and we're going to get him the basketball in advantageous situations for him to score. Once he starts scoring... Zakai Ziegler starting to look more like himself. Santiago Vescovi is coming into his own in this season. And they're getting Josiah Jordan-James, by the way, who had a nasty, nasty, nasty dunk uh, in that game Saturday. He's just a great energy player. He gets what Barnes wants. So to me, the reason why I like this Tennessee more than Illinois in March is because for the first time in what feels like forever, Tennessee actually has reliable offense from game to game. Mm-hmm. All right, overreaction number two. Gonzaga is not a top 15 team, and St. Mary's, when it is all said and done, will end up winning the WCC this year. Fanta, is that an overreaction? St. Mary's, by the way, went on the road and beat Colorado State. Uh, Gonzaga went on the road and lost to Washington. It's an overreaction. That was Washington's Super Bowl. They hadn't beaten Gonzaga since 2005. Mike Hopkins had to win that game. Washington has no other marquee non-conference games left. So they had to win that game because he's on the hot seat this year and has to win, and he did. And Washington did, and credit to Keon Brooks and Severe Wheeler. But I'm not riding away Gonzaga when it comes to St. Mary's. St. Mary's has been way too inconsistent for me to bet on them to win the WCC over Gonzaga. Now, is there value there? There probably is value there. But T.O., overreaction, I still like the Zags to be a top 15-ish team, and I still think that they're going to end up winning the WCC. I, I think they're going to win the WCC, too. And the simple reason is that St. Mary's can't throw it in the ocean from the free throw line. And whenever you play in a league that I think is better than people realize, you're going to have to win some close games at the line, and they cannot shoot free throws. And free throws are huge in my mind. Uh, Gonzaga, like, they, they still have the most talent in that conference. 
Uh, they're still figuring each other out, this, that, and the third. I, I just think that Gonzaga is a better team. And I and I like St. Mary's. I just think that it's uh, – I think Gonzaga is just better. Yeah, I uh, I don't trust a, a team where you basically have three perimeter players, um, which Gonzaga does. When they have to go to the bench, they have to put Anton Watson at the three. Never an ideal situation when you have Anton Watson at the three. All right, Auburn, they're going to win the SEC regular season title. T.O., is that an overreaction? No, not a complete overreaction. They're defending. Yes. Bruce has done it before. Uh, not a complete overreaction. Um, they've got scores. They're deep. They play a lot of bodies. Different guy can do it on a given night. I'm a fan. I, I mean, he's just done it before, so uh, there's no reason why they shouldn't. And they've got Jani Broom, who's playing well. Uh, I, I, I'm a big fan of Dylan Cardwell whenever he comes in the game because he just yes. knows what he's there for. That dude is <laughs> it. He, he's like, hey, I know why I'm here. I'm gonna get all five of these fouls in. They're gonna be they're gonna be nice and good ones too. Like you're gonna feel these fouls whenever I come in the game. And then they've got some guys that can create some things. I, I Aiden Holloway to me is one of the better freshmen in the country, and I, I just feel like they're a really good team. I I don't I don't see why not. And I think depth over the course of a long conference season, depth is crucial, and Auburn has that. Tia, the one thing I want in this world is Clemson to play Auburn, so we can see a clash of uh, Ian Shefflin and Dylan Cardwell going to the glass against each other. That'll be a war. That'd be a lot of fun. There'll be some bruises. <laughs> Fanta, overreaction or no? That will, that will be fun. That would be a lot of fun if if Auburn met Clemson. Do you guys re remember what happened the last time that Auburn and Clemson played? Clemson, Clemson won? Won. Pretty astounding fashion. Well, and that's just it. I mean, so how much am I going to overreact? Okay, so Indiana, <laughs> Sam Vicini tweeted this, and he, he's just so right. He's like, Auburn comes out of the hopper, and they set a ball screen for Holloway, and Indiana goes under. What, what are you doing? Like, he shot five for eight from three. You can't let that kid have space and get going. Why are you going under on screens? I don't know what that was, but I just saw Indiana for a team that I actually think is not bad defensively. Like they can't shoot the three, but they they are not bad defensively. They gave up a they gave up a hundred and four points. <laughs> they they looked scared. Okay, I, I said this on After Dark. They looked like a mid major Lord. team going up against the pressing team. Like they nobody. Nobody in Indiana wanted anything to do with the basketball in the last 13 minutes of the first half. It was, uh, it, there was a 42 to 12 run. It was, it was painful to watch. All right. Last one I got for you guys. Okay. I'm going to take five teams. I'm going to say that one of those five wins the national championship. You guys get the field. Tell me if you think this is a fair bet. All right. You ready? I'm taking Arizona. I'm taking Purdue. I'm taking UConn. I'm taking Marquette and I'm taking Baylor. T.O., you get everybody else. You taking that? No, I think it's going to be one of those five. You think it's going to be one of those five? Yep. Fanta. Mm. Hold on. Your teams are who? Arizona, Purdue, UConn, Marquette, Marquette and Baylor. Baylor? Yes. So I am giving you. Oh, Kansas. I'm, I'm Kansas. You, Houston. Tennessee. You get Kansas. You get BYU. 
You get Tennessee, you get uh, Auburn, BYU. you get Gonzaga, you get uh you get Wisconsin. <laughs> you get everybody else. You get everybody else. You get, you get, Duke, a, you get North you know, Carolina. You get a, yeah, you get, you get a, Ole Miss and Chris Beard, T.O. You're not gonna win national championship. Beard. Okay. Um if because I've always been told it's dumb to bet against Bill Self and you didn't include them. Yep. I'll take the field. I'll take the field because I really do believe that Kansas or Houston can also cut down the nets. Houston, the the issue with Houston is they're 10 and 0, but who have they beaten? And that's why it's been hard to really full. We have not done a deep dive on them because we don't have a, a ton of sample size. We really don't. I mean, the Charleston Classic, that field ended up being weak relative mm-hmm. to other MTEs. Yes. And but but LJ Cryer and Jamal Shedd and their DNA will lend itself to being in any game. Uh, but this sport is draw dependent. You know, it is. It depends on how you, who you draw in March. Today, I'll take the field. I am still going to die on this hill. Okay. I still fully believe that Creighton is going to make a very deep run and could get to a final four because I just like that group of kids. I think that Alexander and Shireman are so dynamic over the weekend. You know, they were playing a note. They were playing central Michigan. It doesn't even matter who they were playing. That duo combined for 17 assists in a basketball game to zero turnovers. So they, they've got ball movers. They've got balance. They don't necessarily have depth, but sometimes, sometimes that's a little bit overrated. And Isaac Trout keeps getting better, fellas. So I'm going to take the field because of Kansas, Houston, Creighton, and I just think this sport lends itself to chaos. That I mean, Isaac Trout has the highest offensive rating in college basketball right now. Isaac Trout does. Yep. Who's he play for? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. That 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 Creighton team. Remember last year their season arc. This was actually the time of year that we were we were really falling out on them. And then look where they ended up. Mac well, they is, lost six in a row. <laughs> it, I know. I know. Six in a row. We deserve I, to be falling out on them. That Mac is is really good and will have them going. I mean, yeah. they, they really could do damage. Yep. All right. Well, listen, this guys, I got to hit Muscle Beach. What are we doing? I yeah, I, I was going to say, I, this has been the DTF podcast. We covered a lot of ground today. TO's got to go. He's got to go work on his tan. He's got to go get a Mai Tai. So uh, make sure you hit that rate, uh, that like button, hit that rate button, hit that subscribe button, do all those things that make us happy as podcasters. And we'll see you guys again next Monday for more 